at the very time when we expect folks to move out of the house. This is when parenting actually intensifies for these families. You're listening to For the Love of Health, a podcast about delivering care and creating health, brought to you by Christiana Care. And now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. I'm Megan McGurman. And I'm Michael Chesney. Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Health, brought to you by Christiana Care. Today, we're talking about parenthood, one of life's most rewarding, challenging, and varied experiences. No two parenting journeys are the same. And while we may never stop being parents, our responsibilities as caregivers change as our children get older, especially once they reach adulthood. But some parents have a different path to walk as they face what is sometimes referred to as perpetual parenthood. And to dive more into this concept of perpetual parenthood, we're joined by Dr. Charmaine Wright, the director of Christiana Care Center for Special Healthcare Needs. Charmaine, thanks so much for being here today. It is a pleasure. Thank you for having me on this uh, very important topic. So let's just start really high level. What is perpetual parenthood? You might think of parenthood as being that time when you are in charge of diapers and bus schedules and school teachers. Um, But for a wide swath of the public, and in Delaware, actually, it is 30% of all adults require support to get through their day. And what do I mean by that? These are adults that have a difference in the way they think, talk, eat, um, get around, move. And these adults have what we call a special health care need. These can be as varied as using a crutch or a wheelchair. These can be as varied as not using natural speech to communicate. Maybe the person eats by mouth, but maybe they eat right through their stomach. And maybe they um, need some help with decision making. These individuals, um, as they age, often require their parents at the age of 21, at the very time when we expect folks to move out of the house or maybe go to college or maybe get a job. This is when parenting actually intensifies for these families. This is when folks come home, they're no longer in school, and need the full support of home and community to get through their days and have a life worth living. I have the distinct honor of being the medical director at the Center for Special Health Care Needs, and our goal is really to help parents along that journey um, when parenting doesn't end at the age of 21. So let's talk a little bit more about that journey. What kind of challenges are these families facing on a day-to-day basis? What happens um, with a person with special health care needs is they often have a team, okay? And this team involves their doctors. So take cerebral palsy, for example. This is the most common motor disability of childhood. And as I mentioned before, some folks with CP have the need to use a wheelchair, um, and some think and speak differently than, than the general public. For these individuals, their wheelchair often needs repairs, um, or they need to have assistance with their communication device and how they interact with the world around them. When they're in school, this happens during the school day. Very often there are people like physical therapists and speech therapists and occupational therapists that help them in their school day after folks leave school. And oftentimes this is referred to as the cliff because parents know that there is a time at which their child will no longer be in school. They're knitting together the team that used to all be baked into the school day. That's sort of the parent role. From the physician role, you can imagine that Families have grown up with a pediatric team who knows everything about them. 18 to 21 years of doctor's visits, emergency room visits, perhaps hospital admissions, someone who knows you and grew up with you. And you can imagine that there is a need at that time when you approach the cliff 
when you must leave pediatric care, there's a need for an adult team ready to step in, ready to grab the baton and take health care as well into adulthood. So the cliff refers to what happens in the day when what was is no longer. And I'd imagine the cliff is one of those kind of dreaded dates on a lot Mm. of families' calendars. It really is. And in Delaware, um, that cliff happens, and it's a very distinct sort of cutoff at the age of 21. And we have partnered so nicely with Nemours. Ten years ago, um, the Center for Special Healthcare Needs started as the transition care practice. The only purpose was to accept those folks graduating out of pediatric care at Nemours. The reason we have all the programs under one roof is because parents are stressed, and it is a full-time job to figure out who's now going to take on PT, who's now going to take on OT, who's now going to help me figure out what to do in the day so that I can keep working, um, so I can get to a doctor's appointment. Um, School provided a lot of this. And so it is a dreaded day. I have folks who come to me after transition. It's their first day on the adult healthcare side, and they're in tears because they just realize that they're leaving what they know. And our job is to help them build a new normal, um, but to help it be organized and coordinated. And coordination is really what we do. And I'm very proud of that. It's not a sexy word, but coordination is what we're trying to help. Maybe not sexy, but certainly important. important, Certainly helpful. Important and helpful. Talk to us about yourself. Um, How did you get into this area of of medicine? What drew you to helping this specific population? As many in medicine, we were affected by something that happened really young. I had an older sister who had sickle cell disease and many family members with sickle cell disease. And this is a genetic condition, affects lots of African-American populations where your life deals with this challenge throughout life. There is no cure. And so there was a distinct moment when my sister needed to move from one doctor to another and needing that seamless care and an adult team. Um, Now, that is what affected me and what really fuels my passion every single day about the work that I do. It's a dream job, what I do at the Center for Special Healthcare Needs. And here's why. I trained in MedPeds. That's a combined training program where you do both internal medicine and pediatric medicine. And my whole point is I wanted to take someone who had some sort of challenge in childhood and grow up with them and sort of take care of them cradle to grave. And so I have been doing this a long, long time. Now, my population that I I love and I'm very passionate about is the family unit, actually. So I have my patient who might have some sort of social, physiologic, um, motor challenge, but then we also have their parents and caregivers and community team around them that also is really needed to keep them healthy. So uh, my job is to network with specialists, to bring them in-house, and to have the underlying mission be caring for the patient and their team, which is their family and their community, to help them live long into adulthood, which is amazingly possible now. If you take cerebral palsy, in 1995, we had half a million uh, individuals with CP living in the in the US. Now we have 2 million and that's because of better healthcare, that's because of just better knowledge. There's um longer lifespan for individuals. What that means though is that perpetual parenthood issue is there for a longer period of time. So you mentioned cerebral palsy, you've mentioned sickle cell, um, I think Down syndrome as well. Can you tell us about all the different conditions and disorders that you work with in the practice? 
We have Down syndrome. On a Tuesday, we host our gastroenterology specialists. Wednesday, we have our cerebral palsy and women's health experts. Um, Women's health is especially important. We know that women with intellectual disability are screened for cervical cancer so much less than the general public. And so our gynecologic experts are really great at at screening, sometimes needing um, sedation um, to accomplish the exams. We have uh, cystic fibrosis and urology. And then on Friday, Blood Friday, we host our hematologists for both our sickle cell programs and our hemophilia programs. So how unique is this coordinated care regionally, nationally? Regionally, we are the only one of our kind. And it's because of the different programs under one roof. Um, I will say that I've been able to join into a group of like-minded individuals um, to do research initiatives and to really um, be able to turn an eye to what makes these populations better. These other institutions are Texas Baylor, and um, we have Northwell Cohen Children's and Cincinnati Children's. So there are places thinking alike, um, but I'm proud to say that we are the only regional program of this kind. So that means people must travel a decent distance to come see you and your team. Yes, our providers actually hold medical licenses at all the the surrounding states because of that reason. We love when patients travel to see us and access our specialists and for whom we're providing that coordination the other 364 days of the year. Talk about the cliff of that change from being 21 to being a full-fledged adult. There's also another kind of a cliff the day when that parent, that caregiver is no longer here. And that, I'm sure, takes a lot of preparation and thought as well. Can you talk to us about that? Back in 2018, um, our institution, Christiana Care, um, partnered with the institutions I just mentioned, and we conducted a series of focus groups. This issue was the reason why. There was, and I quote from the New York Times, a tsunami of need whereby all those young adults with chronic medical conditions who are now living longer were going to need the support of their parents for longer. And what what happens when that tsunami of need of care when the parent is no longer there occurs? We want it to be planned and organized and not an emergency. And emergency placement is one of those things we really try hard not to have happen. Emergency placement means at all on a, a, in a moment's notice, the adult with special health care need requires placement in a nursing home or other facility when that might not have been the plan of the family all along. And this happened during COVID. There was a mom who was admitted for COVID, and at home was her adult child with intellectual disability who could not be home alone. And there was a flurry of our practice trying to figure out what next. Mom is admitted. There was not a network of support for this individual, and she did require emergency placement, the very thing that I that we work hard against. So to combat this issue of emergency placement, which it's my passion that this never happened, we need families to plan. And I'm really proud to say we're embarking on a research study along with seven other institutions across the country to find out what is necessary, what makes the difference. So we are about to start enrolling for this study, which does look at a web tool to help families stay organized. And in the end, does it help caregivers feel less stress and have better well-being? Because if, if they are well, their child will be well. So in addition to that study, what can a family do now? How can they start planning far, far in advance to make sure that their loved one is taken care of? A social worker anywhere can help with some of this decision making and some of the really um, important things to consider. Um, 
in terms of planning for your loved one. We have two great social workers, and often they're dealing with our patients at the center, but often they're also called upon to help others. Um, Our goal is to help make this better statewide, nationwide. So our social workers are always available. It's one phone number to get to all of our programs and all of our resources, and we love being in the um, role of consultant, where we are giving you advice to live your best life wherever you are. So we have no problems performing in that role, and I'm happy to share our our, our main practice uh, phone number. Um, 302-320-6300 is the way to get to us, everything that I've mentioned. But I think conversations just in the house have to start with um, not just the parent can know about their child. They need to share the good, the bad, everything about their loved one with their ones around them. You've talked about a lot of the things that come along with this for the parents. Uh, The stress was the word that's come up a Mm -hmm. a number of times, some of the emotional aspects. Mm -hmm. What support is available for parents. Caring for the caregiver is really important. As I mentioned, if we care for the caregiver, um, they will do a better job at caring for our patient. Um, I will say once pandemic started, we had to do something quickly. Parents were now home with their adult child. So you can imagine what hit the news was schools were closing. What didn't hit the news were day programs were closing. Day programs are a place where a lot of adults with intellectual disabilities spend their time. Those closed too, and it didn't hit the news. So all these adults came home as well. And you have a parent home with an adult who's off their routine and sometimes very stressed by that. So we started a Zoom support group, and it is so strong. A lot is learned. There's peer-to-peer advising, peer-to-peer support. There are tiers. There's information. It's a safe space. And so, yes, we would absolutely love for anyone to reach out if they feel like that type of support it would be helpful. What did taking care of adults with special health care needs be those intellectual or physical used to look like? Before 1981, actually, um, health insurance would only pay for individuals with intellectual disability, for example, to be cared for within walls in a facility, okay? And not all facilities are bad. Facilities are wonderful places and choices for families that they often um, rely upon. I am the medical director at the Mary Campbell Center, um, which is a wonderful facility in Wilmington. 70 residents live there with, in- with intellectual and physical disabilities. And I just want care good everywhere. But before 81, that was the only choice. After 1981, health insurance started covering waivers, which supported care in the home and community. So now you could be in your home and have an individual come in. Maybe it's a nurse. Maybe it's a home health aide to help that individual get through their day. So now it's a combination of things. But but before, all care like this would happen with someone residing full-time in a facility. So there have been incredible strides made in the last 40-plus years Where are we going 40 years from now? In my mind, I would love for there still to remain choice. There is no one size fits all um, when there's an adult with a special health care need. There needs to be choice and all choices need to be of top notch quality. The issue we are finding, though, be it in facility or at home, is that the aide who often does things like custodial care, so that's the eating, bathing, dressing assistance, um, oftentimes those aides are um, in a lower pay grade and there's a lot of turnover. And we are learning that if we could focus on improving the skills, retention, recruitment of individuals who perform that life-saving, you know, patient-to-patient work every single day, if we can improve the quality of that work and the retention of those individuals, we can make the health of our patients better. So in 40 years, I hope that we have figured out that that part of things where whereby aides have um, uh, a quality of work and patients have uh, a quality of care that, that, that lets them live long. 
Charmaine, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing the information about the Center for Special Healthcare Needs. And we will have that phone number you mentioned and a link to your webpage in the show notes today to make sure everyone has access to your incredible care. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And thank you to all of our audience members for joining us for this episode of For the Love of Health. Remember to leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And we'll be back in two weeks with another expert. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about in an upcoming episode, you can let us know. Reach out to Christiana Care on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are on all of your favorite social platforms, and you can also contact us and get show notes at christianacare.org slash podcasts. Thanks again for joining us. For For the the love love of health. health.